All right. Well, we're going to continue today in our series uh, just entitled Authentic. And uh, at least once a year, I like to go through an entire book of the Bible, more expository uh, look through Scripture. And so this summer, we're going through the book of James together. And James is going to help us kind of uh, look at how to live authentically as a believer in Jesus and uh, last Wednesday night at our summer, uh, New Life Summer Nights, uh, someone in the church said, hey, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm reading the book of James along with us in this series, and my toes hurt. <laughs> and, uh, because it will. It'll step on your toes. It'll challenge you. And that's why I'm so excited to be going through this as a church and look at how do we live authentically in this life. So um, uh, James is uh, the author of the book of James, James is the half-brother of Jesus uh, because they don't have the same dad. <laughs> Jesus' father is God the Father, obviously, and Joseph is not Jesus' dad. But they, so James is Jesus' half-brother. James did not actually believe that Jesus was the Messiah until later on in Jesus' life of ministry, really around the time of his death, burial, and resurrection. And then James became a strong leader in the Christian church in the area of Jerusalem, uh, because the Christians in, in Jerusalem at the time were in, uh, experiencing such incredible persecution for their faith. And we see this piece of persecution come, which scattered the believers around the Jerusalem area in Acts 7 at Stephen's stoning, when he was stoned to death because he would not renounce Jesus as the Christ. And so, so the, 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 the believers of Jesus, the early uh, Jewish Christians, have kind of spread around the area, and James writes them a letter. We see a lot of letters in the New Testament where Paul was writing to specific churches. James is writing to the early Christian Jews in the area of Jerusalem. And, and so, so now knowing that they've kind of faced this kind of persecution, you know, that's why he opens up his letter where he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. So let's, let's look back a little bit of where we've gone and, uh, in this series so far. And in the first part of this series, uh, the, the first message I entitled, The Bench Test of the Believer. Because uh, when we bench test something, if you remember, it's, it's, it's about like putting something through its paces and finding out its failure points so we can continue to make it better and better before we put it into production. Well, before God puts us into production in areas of our lives, before he maybe entrusts us with the next season that he's called us to, there is a bench test for the believer to find those failure points, not to point out failure, but to make you better, to make you mature, to, so you grow up. And the bench test of the believer is suffering. Suffering actually helps produce something in our lives. It produces perseverance. Perseverance produces hope. And hope is, is this work that is making us mature and complete, not lacking anything. And in the, the second uh, part of this series, uh, I entitled The Perfect Mirror. James says that not to be like one that looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. But we use the mirror, and hopefully, uh, all of you, uh, by the way, you're looking so beautiful, all of you today. You must have looked in the mirror this morning and saw the bedhead and saw the little parts of you that might need a groom to be presentable this morning, and you, and you fixed it. You, you, you look great. You look great. You really do. And uh, the perfect mirror does the same thing. When we look into the perfect mirror, it shows us all of our imperfections. That imperfection is called sin, y'all. And when we look at the perfect mirror, which is the word of God, the word of God reflects 
His perf- the perfect mirror then shows us the areas where we are ungroomed and unkept and we can fix those things and, and be perfected. And so the perfect mirror is the word of God. And then last week, uh, we, were in, we finally moved into James chapter two and the title of the message was, Me? Prejudice? Yeah, maybe. Maybe you. And so we looked at favoritism and, uh, and how God looks on the inside, but man's always looking on the outside stuff. And uh, so, we, so uh, if you really want to challenge yourself, you can go back and listen to these. All of our sermons are always archived online, newlife4kokomo.org. You can get caught up in the series on your way to work or while you're at work, um, whatever you do. Uh, but today, I want to talk about dying faith. Dying faith. Don't want you to have a faith that is dying, but the, a faith that is alive and active and growing and moving and taking steps. Uh, maybe you've heard of some of these common sayings. Uh, maybe you've heard, uh, if you talk the talk, then you better, yeah, you better walk the walk. Or maybe you've, maybe you've heard the saying, uh, the proof is in the, it's in the pudding. I love pudding, by the way. You remember the Pizza Hut buffet at lunchtime? My kids and I were talking about this just the other day. I remember, like, the Pizza Hut buffet was an after-church delight, right? It's like church after church. You go to the Pizza Hut buffet, and you get some pizza. Then you go to the salad bar. You don't get salad. You get that chocolate pudding at the salad. You know, you know come on. I miss that stuff. COVID killed the uh, Pizza Hut buffet, man. They need to bring it back. I expected a bigger amen than that, but, hey, it's okay. <laughs> the proof is in the, the, proof is in the pudding. That's right. Uh, or maybe you heard this one, uh, kids, plug your ears, but you better put up or, yeah, we don't say that in our house, okay, unless we say it in our house, but uh, you better put up you better, or show up, or something that the, that the, you know, the kids are saying today, uh, I have two teenagers in my house, what the kids would say today is, you better bring receipts, yeah, you better bring receipts, in other words, you need to bring evidence, so, like, like, if you're going to make a claim, like, boy, I'll, I'll, I'll step back, I'll drop a three on you, and, like, you better bring receipts. In other words, you need to prove it. That, that, so if you want to fit in with the young crowd, you know, that's something you could say. Maybe one day I'll teach you all the things that I've had to figure out as a father of two Gen Z teenagers. Uh, but bring receipts. You better, you better, you better bring some receipts. Or, or, they, or they say, listen, listen, boy, I've got the receipts. Like, okay, I don't know what you're saying. Well, it means the proof is in the pudding. That's what it means, okay? Uh, or, 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 or really it means show, the ev- show me the evidence. And, uh, and so I don't want you to have dying faith. Um, I want you to have faith where you have the receipts, that you have the proof, you have the evidence of faith. Because the lack of evidence of faith is actually what we'll see is a dying faith. Here's what James says. James chapter two, verse 14. The very next verse from where we left off last week. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? I don't know about you, but I start asking some questions right away. He says, can that kind of faith save you? The kind of faith where you, you proclaim following Jesus but don't live like you follow Jesus. That's, that's, I think, a challenging question. He says, suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food. If someone says to them, oh, 
Go in peace. Keep warm and well fed. Bye-bye. God bless. But does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, if it's not accompanied by, what was that? Uh, One more time, what was it? Action, that is dead faith. Counterfeit faith, not accompanied by action. First thing I want you to know today is that faith is authentic when faith is demonstrated. Faith is authentic when faith is demonstrated. If someone says, I'm hungry, I'm cold, oh, God bless, may God take care of your needs, and you leave wearing two coats and a sack of McDonald's in your hand, in the same way, faith without deeds is dead. Counterfeit faith. And I'd hate to be the bearer of bad news because I love, I love being an encourager. I, I love inspiring you. But, but, but too many times there are people that sit in rows of churches with dead faith. Dead faith. They have a, they pro, they have a proclamation of faith but not a lifestyle of faith in action. I don't want you to have dying faith. Faith is authentic when faith is demonstrated. Here's a definition of a demonstration. It is conclusive evidence proven by action. One time I was talking about demonstrating our faith to a group of teenagers. And I told them, I said, I said listen, you may not know this about Pastor Devin. But I can do a backflip. And so immediately they all said, show us, prove it, like, do it, do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And so, hold on one second. I'm just kidding. I can't do a (laughs) backflip. I could tell you that all day long, but until you see me do it, I can't do a backflip, right? So prove it. I, I can't prove it. It's Conclusive evidence proven by action. That is a demonstration. Authentic faith is demonstrated faith. I think if we went out to the fairgrounds this last week and interviewed people at random and said, are you a Christian? I think we would find a very, very high percentage of people would claim faith in God. But here's the problem. The next thing I want you to know is that that the the inner reality of faith is no reality until it is outwardly expressed. And so you've got to get over your fears a little bit and become a demonstrator of the love of God, the goodness of God, and your faith in God. The inner reality is really no reality until it is outwardly expressed because inwardly I can tell you I feel like doing backflips. I really, I could, 
I just feel a backflip within me right now. I just believe in the power of backflips. I believe that if you could do a backflip, I mean, like, you have you found your purpose in life, and, like, you got to be a backflipping kind of person. And, I, and I, I can't wait to go to work tomorrow and tell people that they need to do backflips. And they'll say, well, why don't you do one? I'm afraid. Uh, see, I can believe it all day long, but authentic faith is demonstrated faith. It'd be as though if I were standing before you today as a proponent of living and eating a vegetarian life, and I had bacon for breakfast. Listen, if you're a vegetarian, I mean, more power to you. I, I mean, whew, God bless you. Uh, I ate vegetarian for four months after COVID because I lost the taste for a lot of different foods. I ate vegetarian for four months, uh, uh, and I, now I know what hell is like. <laughs> but if I stood here today and said, being a vegetarian, man, this is, this is the only way to do it, and then like you see me at uh, uh, Texas Roadhouse later. And uh, with some of those cinnamon butter rolls and a, come on, somebody. <laughs> See, the inward reality is no reality until it is outwardly expressed. I just wonder um, if it were outlawed today, if Christianity in America were outlawed today, would there be enough proof to convict you tomorrow? Is it that outwardly expressed in our lives that people could say, dude, like you're a different dude at work than all the other guys here. Like, like ma'am, I don't know what it is about you. Something just radiates out of your life. It's just different. A young person, that, like in your high schools, like I, all the other young people, they, they follow these trends, but you don't seem to follow the trends. There's something different about you, outwardly expressed. Faith, James said, if not accompanied by action, is dead. It's dead faith. You can't uh, be, uh, you can't, it, faith cannot be lip service. It has to be a lifestyle. You can't just have leaves on trees. You have to actually bear fruit. If you got game, the scoreboard is going to reflect it. Uh, I heard a story once where, uh, this guy was observing this, this, this uh, uh, freshman, sophomore in high school uh, at, at a basketball court, and, this, and this, this kid had game. I mean, this kid was a bucket, couldn't miss. And, uh, and he saw the, the kid's dad, and he said, hey, your kid has got some game. Is he in AAU? Is he in travel? Like, are you talking to schools? And the dad said, we don't do any of that. He says, if you got game, they'll find you. He has the receipts. He has the evidence. If you got game, the scoreboard will reflect it. Because if it doesn't, then you're just, it's just trash talk. It's not authentic. Here, and James continues in verse 18. He says, but I know I, someone will say, I, I love James. He says, someone's going to say, well, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. One version says, I will show you my faith by what I do. 
I have the receipts. He continues, oh, you believe there's a God. How cute. Demons believe in God. And they shudder. I love James. I mean, if he could come here and deliver this today, I, could, I just envision he'd be like, oh, how cute. You believe there's a God? That's neat. Demons believe in God, dude. They all do. And they fear because they know their future. But if you believe in God, you can live in joy because you know yours. You found your purpose. So, so, yeah, even demons believe that. So belief in God uh, it basically only puts us on the same status as demons until we take the next step of demonstration. So be a demon or be a demonstrator, I don't know. But I think it's a challenging thought. Now what I'm not saying is that, uh, that faith uh, and that, that um, what I'm not saying is you must work your way to heaven. Paul says it is by grace we are saved through faith. Not by works, so no one can boast about it. That's what Paul says. And that's, that's pretty good, Paul. And, but, but if we stop there, we would think that James and Paul are opposing each other. James is making such a strong case that if you are a follower of Jesus, you better have works. Well, Paul here, he says, well, it's by grace we're saved through faith, not from yourselves, or some, some translations say, not by works, so that you can't be proud of yourself. And we think that they are contradicting each other. But actually, Paul and James are saying the same thing because we just need to read the next sentence of what Paul says. And this is what Paul says next. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ. And, and then it says this, uh, created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. Did you, you saw it, right? Paul is saying, yes, we are saved by faith. And that is the grace of God. And you are saved by faith. You don't have to do anything to be saved. I will tell you that salvation is not the finish line. It is the starting line. And if you stay right there and never cross over that threshold, and you just make camp right there, James is saying, then that kind of faith is not authentic faith. Authentic faith is a moving faith. It's a demonstrating faith. It's an action-type faith. So, so here's what I want, want you to know. Number two, this is back a couple slides. Faith and action must work together. They must work together. Well, is it faith or works? They have to work together. We're saved by faith. Listen, I'm, what I'm not telling you is that um, you're saved by works. I'm not telling you that. We don't work for salvation. There's nothing you can ever do to be good enough to earn salvation. We don't work for salvation. But what I am telling you is we work from salvation. Did you hear it? 
We don't work for salvation, but we do work from salvation because salvation was the starting line of a brand new lifestyle of a life demonstrating faith, taking action in our lives, getting the filth out. It's called sanctification. It's instant and it's ongoing. God is doing an ongoing work in you. So faith and action, they have to come together and it creates a demonstration of faith. And it's God's answer to saving the world. It's his church in action. Faith and works working together. So I want to show you two components of faith. Two components of faith. One is obedience to God, and two is compassion to people. So saved by faith. Yes, saved by faith. Now obey. (laughs) Now obey. Follow the Lord in obedience. Obedience. So authentic faith in obedience steps out. Authentic faith with compassion stands out. So we are a stepping out kind of, we're stepping out off the starting line and following God in obedience, but we also stand out in the world because we are separated, which the Bible says, be holy. Holy is to be separate or set apart from. We're set apart from the world, but we're also set apart for the works of God. So we are to be obedient to God and compassionate to people. And here's the thing. Compassion is not empathy. Compassion is action. Empathy says, oh, you're hungry. God bless. Take care. And James says, in the same way, faith without action is dead. But compassion to people says, you're hungry. Have something to eat. You're cold. Here's the coat off my back. It's action. It's action. James continues in verse 20, he says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered Isaac on the altar? You remember this story? Abraham, God calls Abraham, he says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, and one problem, Abraham's old. His wife is old, and they have no kids. Well, to be a great nation, you need land, you need people, and you need governance. Now, God's going to end up doing those three things. He provides them the promised land. He provides a great number of people, and he provides governance in in his scripture. But at this time, Abraham doesn't have any of that. And then through a series of events, Abraham has a son, miraculously has a son, and God asks him to go and sacrifice his son. And then God stops the sacrifice and provides one, which is symbolic of the sacrifice he would provide from his son Jesus into the future. And and James says, you see that his faith, Abraham's faith, and his actions work together. Abraham believed God, had faith, and he took his son up on the hill and was ready to walk out what God told him. His faith and action were working together, James says, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And maybe some of you are saying, man, I just just need to grow my faith. I just need to grow my faith. I just need to grow my faith. Well, God's saying, if you would just connect your faith and your actions together, you'll see your faith grow. 
It will be made complete by the action you're taking in your life. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. They have to work together. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous? You would not have thought that those two words could exist in the same sentence. Prostitute and righteous. But, in this, but he says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different location? If you remember the story in the book of Joshua, Rahab was a prostitute and, and the spies went into the city and basically uh, the Israelite people were saying, we're going to take the city. And, uh, but, but Rahab had heard of their God and she knew that their God was all powerful and that he was going to do what he said he's going to do. And so she, provide, she hid the spies and let them escape and, uh, and they said, put this red cord in your door and like, we'll, we'll save you. And God looked at a prostitute and said, because of your acts of righteousness and, she, and your faith and works brought together, she is now, uh, uh, her story continues to be told to this day. In Matthew chapter one, we read the genealogy of Jesus. It's riveting reading. And if you read through the entire genealogy of Jesus, you see that there are some women mentioned in the genealogy, which is they're not supposed to do that. But if, in a Jewish genealogy, if a woman is mentioned in a genealogy, it is a signal that you need to go read their story. Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus. That's mind-boggling. That this prostitute woman, you would think low of lows, is in the direct line of Jesus. And her story is still inspiring people all around the world. Amazing. And, and, and James, he's talking about her here in the same way. Was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? Her faith, the believing that your God is God and I'm going to do something about it. She gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As in, this, then it says this, James says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds, dead. Dead. So again, I see three things in what he's saying here. I see that he's saying we need to step out in obedience like Abraham. We need to stand out like Rahab. And we need to work it out that, our, that, our, our, that you're saved. You're not saved by faith alone, but we are, have to continue working out our salvation. So step out in obedience. Stand out and work it out. And number three, I just want to tell you, don't live with dying faith. Let's take action. Let's be doers of the word, as we read in James chapter one. Not just hearers, but doers. And I think that if we were to give the Holy Spirit the time this morning to speak to us individually and to listen, that the Holy Spirit will convict us in some area of our life where we need to have faith in action. That maybe there's some area in our life where we are not demonstrating the faith we claim in some area of our life. Maybe, there's a, maybe we need to demonstrate our faith better in our marriages first. Maybe we need to actually practice the fruit of the Spirit 
in our homes. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to convict us that we have to actually demonstrate that we are different and we need to stop looking like the world but be set apart. And that means that, that there are some de- decisions that have to be made and some places maybe you're going to stop going and some friendships that are just going to have to look different, not because of, of your disdain towards them, but because of your, your, your dedication to God. Authentic faith is faith demonstrated. May God convict our hearts about those that we encounter in our lives that are in need. And may we do something. May God convict our hearts about our, our neighbor that just needs help and that we help. May God convict our hearts with, in the areas of our lives where we're selfish and we surrender that. That we would be doers of the word. And that, that our lives would, would, would demonstrate not, not just that we're Christians, but also that our lives would demonstrate the love and compassion and mercy and grace of God in such a compelling way that those that need God the most would say, would, would have that feeling and make a response to also cross that starting line in a new life. So would you stand with me this morning as we, as we just conclude? You know, this morning would be just a, an incredible opportunity for somebody to say, you know, I think that all along my faith has been more nominal than I realized. By nominal, I mean that, that my faith has been more by word only. And I'm ready to step out in obedience. And, and maybe for someone, you're ready to step out maybe for the first time. Maybe you've had a lot of God questions and, and you know you need to start getting your life on a different track. You know, this morning, there's no greater time than right now than to step out and make Jesus the Lord of your life and start your faith journey and make this day number one. They say that the best day to plant a tree is 20 years ago. But the second best day is right now. And you need to plant a tree of faith in your life. And it can start today. And like I said, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to say, well, I I got to get some things cleaned up out of my life first. No, it's okay. He'll take you right now as you are. The cleaning up stuff, he'll deal with that. He'll help you with that. You'll, be, you'll walk through that. It's called grace. That God is ready to give you something you don't deserve if you just put your trust and faith in him. Here's what you don't deserve, because it's what I didn't deserve. I didn't deserve a second chance. I didn't deserve a fresh start. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. But God's willing to give you what you don't deserve to set you free from all the guilt and shame and every, every failure you've ever made if you just simply place your trust in him. And if that's you today, if you're ready to make that decision, I, I pray you do. And I want to lead you in a way that you can start that faith journey with God. But maybe if someone here today is like, okay, well, I've stepped out. I have faith. Well, now it's time for you to stand out. 
it's time for life to look a little different and begin to demonstrate that which you proclaim. And may the Holy Spirit show you the specific ways in your life God's calling you to do that. If everybody in this room would just bow your head, close your eyes, it, it, it's not, nothing special about it, but I think that when we do that, it just, I just want you to know, right now, this moment, it's just you and just God. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I, I need a fresh start, maybe, I, maybe you want to recommit your faith, and this time, make it real. Or maybe you've never made a commitment to God, and you're ready to start a faith journey with the Lord, and you've never done it before. But whatever the case is, if you're ready to respond and make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're ready to submit your life and begin a new life, a new journey, and this time it's going to be a journey with God. If, you're, if that's you, if you want to do that, I want to just lead you in a prayer. And your prayer can sound like mine. You can, you can repeat in your quietness of your own heart after me, or, or you can make it your own. But it's simply this. God, I recognize that you're the thing that I've needed all along. I've made some serious mistakes. I've tried it my own way. I'm sick of being empty. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of lacking purpose and and lacking joy in my life. And I'm ready to, to just surrender my life to you. Would you forgive me? Forgive me of those mistakes I've made. And now help me to understand. I've got, some, I've got some big questions I don't know the answers to, but I know this new life has to start with you. So I put my faith and trust in you. And forgive me, cleanse me, whatever you got to do to me, I just know I have to have a fresh start. You know, if you said a prayer like that today and committing to follow Jesus, I want you to know that God hears your prayer. All of heaven is rejoicing right now. And now, your new life has begun. And maybe you're here this morning, it's time for you to stand out. That means you've got to make some decisions. I'm not going to go with the flow of the world anymore. It's likely that God has been convicting your heart about some decisions you've been making for a while. But today is the day that, you, that God is saying, come on, come on, step out. Step up, stand out, stand out. You can do this. I've called you to be separate. And Father, I pray for every person here today. There is a way that you are asking us to stand out a little bit more. There are some things in our life, so maybe some habits, maybe some ways of speech, maybe, maybe some people we hang out with, maybe some, some activities we participate in, and you're asking us to stand out and to move out from those things and be, become greater demonstrators of the work you've done in our lives. Give us the courage to do that in Jesus' name. We're going to sing one last song together, and as we do that, I just let's just continue in this heart of just surrender to God and uh, let's just continue and allowing the Holy Spirit in this moment while we sing this last song maybe you just need to listen and so the Holy Spirit can speak to you and show you the areas of your life that, that where at greater action needs to begin. Let's do that now. Let's, let's sing together. Holy Spirit, convict us. Just show us 
the areas in our lives that you're calling us to change. In Jesus' name.